There is nothing that science or atheism can define as a cause for creation except for God. And I would say... Hey guys, welcome back to Keep It 99, the most edifying podcast in the world. And today we're here with a very special guest, Jackson Tucker. Thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's great to be here. So, yeah. Um, so, my first question for you uh, first off, thank you for coming, taking time out of your day. Of course. Um, my first question for you is um, you know, you're very big into philosophy. You kind of like the, the humanities, you like thinking. Yeah. Why is that? Um, I think it all started a long time ago. So when I was younger, I was in the library, and there was a book there. It was about the Romans. So I picked the book up. I was, like, going through the book, and then right there, the fascination with history, and then everything else kind of, like, fell in place from there. So, like, if you're looking at different rulers, why people do the things they do, they're going to need a belief system behind that. And so that's kind of where it kind of like fell together. You're analyzing the history, but why do people do things they do? And that's going to be according to like what they believe is the right thing or the wrong thing and stuff like that. So it's very interesting. I, I like that. Uh, it's a cool story. And I think um, when it comes to philosophy, it's I think it's very interesting. I think it's always cool to see the why. You know why people believe the things they do, yeah. why they do the things they do. Um, so I, I'd like to get your thoughts on because um, you're talking about belief systems, like. Why do people really need a belief system and why do they kind of pursue that? Um, I think people need a belief system because they need some way to like, I want to say act in society. Like that would, that would be my prime reason why I would say people, why they, they, they need a belief system. Most people have that like drive, like to go find something. How do I catch this? Can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. Uh, it's just like, why do people, why do people need something to believe in? And when they do believe in something like... Oh, yeah. It's yeah. something to, like, to strive for. So like, this is right, this is wrong. It shows them how to act or personally in society. So stuff like that. So do you think kind of belief system, like what, what is a belief system? Is it like a moral code? Is it like, what does that kind of mean to you? Like Yeah, that? so there's different kinds. I know there's a moral belief system, which is kind of like what is right versus what is wrong. And then you have metaphysical, which is why do we exist? Like, why are we here on this earth? Was it because God put us there? Is there no reason? So that's kind of like your existentialism, your nihilism, your theism. And then your moral code would be like deontological and teleological. So you would have your utilitarian approach, or you might have like categorical imperatives with like Kant or something like that. So... Interesting. That's, that's a lot of big words there. Um, so I would like to know, like, what is your maybe like metaphysical belief system? Like, what, what, what do you kind of categorize yourself? Yeah, I would say I'm firmly an existentialist. So I think you have to pursue and find meaning for yourself. So I would not take the theist approach that says our meaning, we're in the likeness of God, and therefore the meaning is to live like Jesus or live like God and how he envisioned. Mine's more of there's no real meaning in the world, like uh, Nietzsche said. And then you have to go out there and find your meeting, find what you like, what do you want to pursue, what do you find meaningful to yourself. So that would be the existentialist approach that I was So your, your kind of thought process is that we're just kind of here already, so now we just figure out what to do while we're here. Uh, yeah, kind of. That's kind of how existentialism works. How did you kind of come, come to that conclusion? Well, it started, I want to say, before COVID. Once you, I started like re-looking at all of my beliefs because I used to be super, super conservative. I was very, very religious. And so I kind of like one thing fell out of place, which was like um, in my belief system. And once thing one part falls off, it's kind of like a house of cards. You say, 
well, if I could be wrong on this one thing, what else could I be wrong about? And so from there, I kind of whittled the needle down my political beliefs, economic beliefs, religious beliefs, and kind of went from there. So, If you don't mind me asking, what was that one thing? Um, I think my one thing, it was economics, unironically. I have people in my family that I know that are not very well off. They require Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, and I was very, very against those things at the time. And I kind of say, I was very Christian then, and you know, there's always that altruistic element, we're supposed to care for our brothers and sisters, our fellow humans on earth, while we're glorifying God. Um, and so Jesus would call to that. And I say, how does this comport in my belief system? How can I believe in one breath that we're supposed to help everybody, and we're supposed to uplift all of humanity, and then in another breath say, well, I don't really care if you get this social service, or I don't really care if you know you have retirement or health care or like a good standing. So that was the first piece that fell out because when you're looking at the economic systems, I mean, stuff like that just doesn't really work. But. So how did that, how did looking at your political beliefs affect your religious beliefs? Um, your political beliefs are very downstream from religion. Religion is like, I don't know how to explain it. It gives you all of your moral foundation and all of your metaphysical foundation. So God, he'll tell you, this is right, this is wrong. Right off the bat, your moral beliefs are right there. And he tells you the why. You're here because, like, you're here to glorify me or live with me and one with me. Um, can you repeat the question again? I'm sorry. I mean, I was kind of thinking, like, how does that, how does the fact that something you believe economically affect oh, yeah. what you believe religiously? Oh, well, you keep reanalyzing. It's the reanalyzing that's there. It's the doubt saying, um, if I could be wrong about one thing, what else oh, okay, could I not be wrong about? You know what I mean? Because, you know, you're kind of a teen. It's very new to you. You're looking at politics, like everything that's going on in the news, what everyone's arguing each other, the adults are going crazy, you know what I mean? And you're thinking, you know, I'm right. That 14-year-old kid that's looking at politics, you know, my belief systems are the ones that are right. But, I mean, after that, you kind of go back. It's the doubt that starts getting sown once the first card flips. So for you, it, was, it wasn't that that belief directly affected your religious belief. It was that you saw that maybe you were wrong about something or you thought you were wrong about something. Yeah. And so that caused you to question everything. Yeah. So what about um, Christianity? What did you question about it that made you kind of fall out of favor with it? Uh, there, was a, there were several things. It was the last thing that I ever like, looked at as my belief system. Because like, when you're a Christian, like, the Bible has to be infallible in its totality or it's worthless. If it's God's word, God's word is perfect. And so any blemish in the Bible at all, then automatically the Bible just goes straight down. It's no longer has any of its legitimacy, anything like that. And so I was going through the Bible, or I wasn't going through the Bible, but there's different things online that you can watch. You can watch different debates, different stuff like that. And I always found the ones for the atheism argument or the lack of a God to be more convincing than the ones that um, did not. So it's primarily the lack of evidence or maybe there's different contradictions in the Bible and stuff like that. Do you mind uh, like kind of getting into like what, like what are those contradictions? That you yeah, saw? so one of the biggest contradictions that I've never heard anyone answer is, so we know Judas betrays Jesus, right? Yes. And Jesus says at the Last Supper, he says, one of y'all will betray me. Jesus is all-knowing, he's God, he's fully God, right? And so if he says that, does Judas have the free will to, you know, not betray Jesus? Mm -hmm. I would say no, because if God spoke the world 
by saying like, this is true, or like spoke the world into existence. If Jesus says, one of my disciples are going to betray me, right? Then we have a conundrum here where we're asking about free will or not free will. And if it turns out that we don't have free will, why is God sending people to hell who don't have the will to change their own fate? And I agree with you on that last point about the free will thing, that free will is an integral and it's one of the most important things in Christianity that has to be true in order to prove yeah. its reality. But I'll say from the, as a Christian, from the Judas standpoint, um, just because something is spoken to be true does not mean it was caused by that word. So if I say, for example, one plus one equals two, yeah. it's not two because I said it was two. Yeah. It just already is two. Yeah, but that's because you're human. If Jesus is God and God can say, let there be light mm-hmm. and there is light, he can say, let Judas betray me and Judas betrays him. So it's the difference there between divine and human. So I understand what you're saying, but I'll say that Jesus never said, Jesus never told Judas to betray him. He, he never said, told Judas that, but he still spoke it into existence. It, Judas wouldn't even have to know. If Jesus but Judas had already known, betrayed him. At the Last Supper? Judas had already betrayed him by then. He'd already sold. Didn't he, he also kissed Jesus as well. So, I mean. But he had already done the agreement beforehand. So it, it had already happened. It was a matter of a fact of, like, he had betrayed, he has already betrayed me and he will continue to betray me. Yeah. But the fact that Christ said that, and he is fully God, said yeah. that this will happen, does not mean that he made it happen. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I think if Jesus were to say something and Jesus is God, then it, then it is. It's just by nature of him being God. It is because... The, the issue is that when we think about it in this regard, we try, yeah. to con, we try to control God under time. We try to constrict God's knowledge under yeah. time. No, the thing is that if God is real, let's say God is real, he has to be above time. That's the only way that there's so many other things that don't make sense if he's under time. No. So he has to be above time. So the fact that Jesus constricted himself to human, humanity, fully human and being fully divine, yeah. there are some things that will not match up timeline-wise because he, again, is fully divine. He knows everything yeah. from the beginning all the way to the end. Yeah. Just because he knows it does not mean that he caused it, right? Like, why well, would if God... You're, if you're all-knowing and all-powerful, you can set the timeline however you want. So, again, God... But that's not free will again. I know. So why would, like, for example, like, another question people always ask is, you know, why would God create people that he knows are going to end up in hell? Like, why would he do that? Yeah. Because we have free will. It is out of his love for us that he gives us his free will, knowing that we will still betray him and still go against him. He still creates us. But I don't find that argument convincing enough. If God is all-knowing and all-powerful, there is a version of reality out there that he could have brought in with free will and which he would be able to convince everyone that he is God. But the, because he is all-knowing always... and all-powerful. So he, he, he has the knowledge and ability to act in a certain manner that gets everybody saved instead of only a select few. But we're, we're not saved not because of God's lack of what he did. It's because of our lack of not obeying or not... Go- like, people are always going to... Like, there's not one person on the, in the planet where everyone will agree to their message. That's just not how humanity, how humanity works. There will always be an opposing side. I understand. But if God is God, people could recognize him as such. There is a version out there with him being all-knowledge, all-knowledgeable, and all-powerful where he could create that reality, unless you say that God is not capable of that, which then in that case, he wouldn't be all powerful and therefore not all God. Sure, except I'll say that the devils know that it's God. They know, I, they know who I God I is. I don't, 
I don't believe in devils. I don't. I don't see any ev- evidence for devils. That's that's. You see where my issue comes from. So you don't. It's from the lack of like the the very foundational pieces that I'm disagreeing with. I'm not like necessarily disagreeing with a lot of the moral arguments, but like the foundational building blocks for like. No, I get. I get your point. Yeah. So you're telling me you don't believe there's good and bad in the world. Um, I think to a large, I think there is good and bad based okay. on my moral system. But mm-hmm. is there an objective truth? I would, I would not say oh, so. Okay. So there, you believe there's not objective truth? Oh, yeah. So, how, how do you measure morality? What, what tool do you use? You don't use a microscope or a ruler or a telescope. There's no way to objectively measure, you know, um, what morality is. Same thing as like, if we were to say, look at this wall. Can you objectively measure how beautiful the wall is or how the wall, wall looks? Well, there's no objective standard. Some, peop- some people could look at a painting and say, well, that's really beautiful. And some people could say, well, that's just a few lines of paint thrown everywhere. Who cares about that? Um, so th- I don't believe there's any way to measure it. If there was a way to measure it, then yeah. But I don't believe there's a way to measure morality. So I, I believe it's mainly human intuition. So I struggle with this idea of you can't measure morality. Yeah. Um, because it's the same, like, it, if you want to go down this line of subjective truth and subjective, um, every human has their own idea of what things are, yeah. then I could very easily say one plus one equals five, and you could not tell me I'm wrong. Not, not, not exactly. Um, Why is that? Generally speaking, my position would say that there is an objective, like, material world. We can okay. measure that, right? Mm-hmm. So from here to here, I can take a ruler and say, this is X inches, this is X meters, right? And mm-hmm. so we can define like molecules, we know their natural laws, things that, like this that are in the world, physics, stuff like that. And so you can object, uh, measure the objective world, but morality is not objective. There's nothing material about it. It's an abstract idea. So, I mean, in some cases, there is truth that is findable, and that's what we call science, right? Finding our epidemiology trying to find what is truth and going through that and finding the different evidence. It's like, this backs up, this backs up, and it's measurable, it's reproducible, stuff like this. But for morality, there's no system and ability to do that since it is an abstract idea. Uh, so two points. The first one is that all of the measurements that we use for material things are made up. Like, we define what the measurement is. Sure. Um, the same way that you can create a measurement to define morality. And the second point I'll make is that... Um, when it, when it comes to like abstract things yeah. of morality, um, the quantum world is abstract and we have ways to measure it. So just because something is abstract or something is not physically able for us does yeah. not mean that we cannot measure it. And another point is that, um, funny enough, science does a very good job of backing up the Bible's claims and does a very good job of backing up Christianity. Um, it, I mean, and if you want to use literary standards... Uh, the Bible is as pretty much as infallible as it gets compared to, you know, and when it comes to a literary standpoint, it comes to a historical standpoint. Yeah. So the point is that there's so much evidence for it that why would it not be true? Yeah, so I, I think there's still, I'm going to stand by my argument That's, that I mean, it's si- science, your si- science is measurable, you know what I mean? Um, I just, I, there's no way to measure morality. I don't think there, there's no metric system. And if we're looking at the, like, if I, I use the ruler analogy, let's say we don't use a ruler, we can use a, a meter stick or something like that. Mm-hmm. There, there is a something there, you know, a physical something, regardless of the units you measure it with or how you measure it, there is a something there that if we all agree on, like, the system we're using, that you can measure it, you know what I mean? 
there's no system where you can actually measure morality. And then on the second point for the Bible, I think there's a lot of things mixed into the Bible. From like, if we're looking at a historical standpoint, it's very good at saying, you know, Jerusalem was here, Galilee was here, Bethlehem was over there. So on those things, on historical fact, yeah, the Bible is very, the Bible is very clean cut on what it says. Like, you know, this happened here, this event caused, or this, ha- this event happened here at this time. You know, the Bible's very good with that. What it's not good with is a lot of the more important claims that it has, a lot of the more divine claims that it has. As- Jesus rose again, watered the wine, fed the a thousand, things like this. Because the Bible makes claims, but it doesn't have any evidence for those claims. So a lot of things in the Bible, they're very mixed into together. It takes in historical fact, which makes it very convincing, but at the same time doesn't provide evidence for its most important claims, which are the divine claims about, you know, Jesus being God. I think the Bible, um, I think the reason why, at least from a scientific standpoint, that the Bible cannot claim that Jesus is God is because that's scientifically impossible to, because it's something that is beyond science. No, that's what a miracle Um, is, yeah. Yeah, and I also think divinity in general is beyond science, so I don't don't really understand, like, what you would be looking for evidence-wise. Yeah, that, but that's the issue, right? How do we... So you don't think miracles are a thing? I do not. Because how do you verify that claim? I mean, there's miracles that happen. That's the issue. If you can't define or, like, measure divinity, then how do you have any evidence for it? Same thing. That's why no one's ever been able to prove, like, demons, like... You know, they have the shows okay, where everyone... They can, the, the demons have been proven to be real. Uh, Demon know, possession is a that. real thing. I don't... I, I, I would... I would I mean, side not so much. My, it, it's... The more and more time goes on and the more and more we get cameras, we've seen less and less miracles, like, occurring, basically. The farther and farther you go back, the more, mis- like... I want to say the more mysticism is added in culture or religion, generally you'll see a higher propensity of so-called miracles occurring. But I mean, in our day and age, we don't see any miracles, and generally I that's, with that. that's just not true. You, you generally see, you don't see those things because someone has a phone, they're videoing it, or scientists are able to give counter explanations and stuff like that. So. Um, the point of miracles not happening today is just, um, it's just not true. It, I mean, there are miracles that still happen. It's not. It's not that those things don't happen. Um, but I, get, I do get your point about the there's cameras out everywhere nowadays. Science has come up with explanations for things. Um, except I'll say that science, first off, is not always 100% correct. It actually rarely is 100% correct the first time. Okay. Um, and the other point is that maybe, you know, the reason why we don't see miracles as much on things like cameras and stuff like that is because, you know... It's the same idea with the UFOs. Yeah. Let's take it away from religion. Same idea with the UFOs. Why is it now that the more that we see technology and have technology, the ideas of UFO settings go down? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, not it's, necessarily. It's, it's not necessarily because um, they're not real or they're not vetted. Yeah. It's because that there is a human aspect to storytelling. So there are things that are going to be lost in it. Things that are you know that don't make sense that people kind of like throw in there. But I also think it's. You know, because like we like to have an explanation for everything. So something that might not have an explanation, we'll create an explanation for it and give yeah. it that. Yeah, but I think that that's more of a an argument for my argument that something will something will be. But who like said the explanation is correct? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Who is the explanation for like um, all the other things in the Bible? Why is why is the Christian version the one that was initially there? That why is that the correct one and not a different one? 
Because it's the most vetted. Again, and it's, and it's, I, I, it's I would disagree. The, and it stood the test of time. I think it's something that's lasted for as long as Christianity has. Sure. Um, there, and it's had everything thrown at it. So why would it be wrong now, but I, not for the past 2,000 years? But, but you could say the same thing with Judaism. And if we're using time and legitimacy and how long the religion has lasted as the, uh, as the meter or the measurement for how truthful a religion is, then we could look at like Zoroastrianism or paganism or Judaism that really rebukes God in a different way than the other two that do not. So I don't think if we're trying to find a metric for what is truth, what is God, is this uh, Bible legitimate, right? Or is any religious book legitimate for how long it's been in like circulation around the globe? I don't think is the correct way we should be trying to figure out whether or not we should trust this book or something like that. But I think it's a very important aspect of it. Uh, also, I Christianity I I think has a lot of Judaism in it. So No, I understand. But they do not believe Mary is the mother of God. And they do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And they don't believe, like, th those two things automatically, like, make Christianity and Judaism nearly incompatible. Especially with the introduction of the New Testament. If we just like the Old Testament, then it'd be perfect. But that well, New Testament sure. really creates a divide in between Judaism and Christianity. And it was the Jewish people who rebuked Jesus and killed him, right? Which the because Bible predicts. Because they said he was a blasphemer, right? Which the Old Testament predicts, like very, no. very, very vividly. I understand, but the Jewish people of today who are, you know, mm -hmm. practice Judaism, they would still disagree that he was the son of God. Well, yeah, because that's their belief system. I mean, like, no. if but, you came up to me and told me, you know, Allah is God, and then I should convert to Islam, I'll tell you no. I mean, that's just like, yeah. like you can't convince someone to go against their belief system unless they're open to it, unless they see a merit in another belief system. I mean, that's, that's just human nature. No, I understand, but I, that's why I think it's not a good way to figure out whether a book is trustful or legitimate by just how long it's been to an existence. We could find, like, we could say that the claims that the classical um, idealists thought, if we look at, like, Cicero, or if we look at Plato, or Socrates, or these figures, these people have had their literature in circulation for longer than the Christians, or the Jews, yeah, sure. or, you know, the Muslims, or stuff like that. And would we say that these claims are now more fruitful than the ones because just because they came earlier? Sure, but the ones that aren't proved wrong, yeah. Sure, the, but the, the ones but that, that are proved wrong, I mean, that's different. Yeah, but that's why I prefer to look at the Bible not through a time as, you know, all these other people have believed it, you know, yada, yada, yada. I just think it's look an important Look at each aspect. claim individually and then try to say, what about these claims is true but or you not can't, true? You can't look at the claims individually. You have to look at them as collective. D different claims. You would look at different claims in different instances. Sure, there are ideas that are cross-cutting, connect to each other, and you would address those together. But not all of the different stories in the Bible are all like summed up as like, you know. I mean, the Bible is the most cross-referenced book on planet Earth. Sure. It has over 70,000 cross-references within itself. But there's still different stories, different instances, different miracles that are performed. So you will take and look at each miracle independently. And but don't say, you have to look at true? it in context of what it is? What? Like you have to look at each... You can't take an event or a verse or a chapter from the Bible and separate it from the rest of the Bible. That wouldn't make sense. No, I understand that it's God's word, but you still have to look at each claim he makes. You can't say, oh, it's all God's word, therefore, like, it's all true, and then say, well, I've done my investigating and I'm done. You would have to say, well, God makes these certain claims. 
And what do I, I think about these certain claims? I agree with you, yeah. but you can't pull them out of context. No, I agree. I mean, we can't. don't do that. You have to address them in their context. Exactly. Is what I'm saying, but you still want to address each and every one of them. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we don't do that with literature in general. We never pull things out of context. We always look at oh, what I does agree. this mean in the context, and that gives it a completely uh, different merit and different meaning. Um, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I don't. I see what I see. Your points. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with, with some of it. I agree with, you know, maybe the, the way you look at things analytically. I think it's, yeah. it's very important. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe, maybe the way how, the way how the Bible, because the Bible is, at least from a Coptic Orthodox perspective of Christianity, the Bible is not the only thing. Okay. So we have like the liturgy, for example, which is, um, is it like the a, canon for like uh, Catholics or something like that? You know how the priests come out with the different. I mean, the liturgy is is as as like a Catholic mass. Okay. If that's kind of what you want to think about it as. Okay. Um, it's an apostolic tradition. Um, it's been literally passed down. I mean, you can trace the lineage all the way back up to Saint Mark, who is a real person. No, I know Saint Mark. He's a real person. Um, so it's the point is that Christianity is there's so many things about it, at least from an Orthodox perspective, yeah. that are consistent and in line and haven't changed for so long and are still relevant to this day yeah. that make it very hard to prove wrong. It's just, it, it takes more faith to not believe in Christianity than it does to believe in Christianity. Mm, I don't know about that. I think, I think for Atheism me, is for the me, hardest belief to believe in. I don't think, I think it's the most skeptical of all the beliefs out there. I don't believe it's the hardest one to believe in. I think if God had more evidence for his claims that he outlines in the Bible, then... What more evidence do you need? Than what? Than, than what's already given. Like so, at this so point, if, if you're not going to believe I, let's it, say, let's what say, more... Let's say you're speaking here to me as a Christian, and to my right, I have someone speaking to me as a Muslim. Why should I... He's, and he says, well, the Quran is what Muhammad got from Allah, right? And this is the word. These claims are clue cuz these claims are true because they came from God. Who should I believe? And why should I believe, you know, him over you or you over him? I don't see any difference because there's not that you guys make a ton of claims and then you you don't have enough evidence to back it up. Cuz massive um, claims require massive evidence. And so sure. what I'm trying to look as, you know, we're looking at all the different religions of the world, we're looking at all these different um, different sort of beliefs that people say you should have or religions say you should have i just don't find it that there's enough evidence saying well god you know god does exist and now i do grant that it is possible for a god to exist but i don't think it is you know a christian god or a muslim god or stuff like that so. um for the point of islam um i mean there's a lot of contradictions within the quran uh the way it was written if you, if you look at the arabic language um it was written at a time before something called tashkil, which is basically, it's like little markings that can completely change what a word is. I mean, yeah. you can say the three same letters and there's 13 different words for those three same letters using those things. Yeah. It was written in a time before that, so it's kind of a create your own story, if you will, yeah. um, type of thing. But that's a different, a different topic. Um, when it comes to, to believe that there is no God, to believe that everything on this planet is by chance, yeah. to believe that the fact that we are sitting here having this conversation is because uh, a little time amount of mass exploded yeah. and all these dust particles and molecules conformed together created a, a ball of earth that if, you, that if you brought it down to the size of a cue ball would be smoother than the cue ball. Yeah. Um, 
and to have all these trees exist and have molecules that create animals that are completely different from each other and humans that share 99% of DNA with other animals yeah. and all these complex things. Like if you look at the evolution of an eye, how an eye goes from the first cell to what it is now, yeah. um, it doesn't scientifically make sense. There's no explanation for it scientifically about how an eye is created, by the way, how that evolution occurred. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think it, it does make sense in general that all of this is done by chance. Yeah. And so an atheist response to that would say, well, I don't know. And we don't have any evidence to like say, oh, we do know for a matter of fact, whether that be to like the start of the universe or like other things that are really, really beyond the balance of science so far, which is why I grant the idea of a deist god that could create the world and then walk away. Do you know what a... Uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So it's basically the clockmaker and stuff like that. But I don't see any evidence saying, you know... Where, so where like, would God why, go? Just because there's a tree. Where on the tree does it say, well, I'm here because of God? There's no, there's no evidence for that. We know that it rains, the tree comes up. So I just believe in less... less I, I believe in one less God than you do. So, I mean, just the amount of evidence is... I, I just don't see, there's, it doesn't meet the threshold. It's very interesting to me. It's, it's, I, I answer, I don't know, because hmm. I don't have evidence. You answer, well, I do know. You know what I mean? So I, like, that's where I would characterize the difference. Your claim requires tons of evidence, and my claim, I mean, I, I'm saying I literally don't know. I'm saying I don't think there's any evidence to say it goes this way or that way. So but, then you wouldn't okay. believe in God in that context because there's no evidence. You're just saying, I don't know, I'm open. So then what's the purpose of life if there's nothing to live for? Yeah, so this was a dilemma that I faced when I stopped being Christian. You know, there's no more God. What do you do? Like, how do I make decisions? Is this a good or is this bad? You know what I mean? Or like, why am I here? You know, if God's not real, who cares? You know, that's kind of the nihilistic kind of approach that Nietzsche came up with. But then you goes into something else saying, well, Let's think about it like this. If we're humans and we're here and we know that we feel like meaning, we can feel happiness, we can feel suffering, stuff like that, then in many ways it like makes life more meaningful instead of less meaningful. Instead of having God tell you what to do and saying this is your meaning, you get to go and find your meaning. And it means I get to spend my time however I want to, not how God wants me to or how someone else wants me to. I truly am the own you know, beacon for my own life and am able to control my own life. And in that way, it makes it that much more meaningful. Because if I don't want to do something, well, you know, there's no reason that wh why I should not just not do it. You know what I mean? Or if I want to do something, I should be able to just go do it. It means that my choices are more meaningful because it means I get to decide how my life gets to go. Do you understand that concept? Wouldn't that make you a god of your own life? In a way, but in a way you are, in many ways. It just depends. There are environmental factors, but the individual. But I think mine puts the onus on the individual to like get up and go. You know so you I mean? think you have control of everything that happens in your life? Not 100% control, but I know I'm 100% control of myself. And I'm able, even though different dilemmas may come up in my life, I, I am the ultimate arbiter of how I will react to those dilemmas or how I want to spend my time. Okay, fair enough. So, um, I agree with that. But why do those dilemmas appear? I think they just appear. I think that's life. Okay. I think it. I, why do you have feelings? Where do they come from? I think it's natural, just by being human. I think it's just a, it's it's a human thing. Humans are different from animals in that they can uh, they have like a different different okay. level of thinking. Why? I, anim, what do you mean? Why? Like that's all true. 
But yeah. why is that true? I would say that humans evolved to think differently than other animals, not just because we were created in that capacity. And we also do know that animals can also have feelings. They're just not as developed as humans, per se. Humans have the most developed spectrum of emotions, of thinking, and these certain kinds of capacities. But we're the also most evolved species, like, on Earth. Like, we have the ability to think about ideas. I mean, do you think a dog ever thinks of, like, why am I here on this Earth? I mean, they're not, they're not thinking that. They're saying, look, there's a toy, or look, there's food. I mean, they don't really care. So I think it's something that are uniquely falls on humans. Do you think that... Just by, just by um, evolution, or the way the world was. But, or it is. Okay. It's the same Aquinas argument. Like, you know how Aquinas said, for every action there has to be a cause, mm -hmm. right? But then the backstop to that is God, So right? I'm saying, instead of God being the backstop, we know for a fact this exists. We don't have evidence for the God backstop. So I can make this the ultimate backstop and say, well, this is just the way it is, and then I play my cards from here. So science and atheism, you can make it add up in your head, and you can go back all the way up in history, except for at one point, which is creation. I agree. There is nothing that science or atheism can define as a cause for creation except for God. And I would say that's because it's a skeptical, more, more skeptical ideology or philosophy. It's saying, well, we don't know because there's no evidence. The Christians or the Muslims or the Hindus, they would say, well, we do know, and so, it's because of this book. But I don't find but the, here's book the that issue the book, with this. I don't find the claims that the book makes to be valid because of, because of a lack of evidence, if you understand what I mean. But here's the issue with that. That means yeah. that everything in science and in atheism yeah. relies on the fact that there isn't a God. That no. there isn't a God that created everything. Because if there's a God that created everything, like let's say we figured out what creation was, yeah. and it was against, like it was literally anything that created it, yeah. that would completely... That would like science is right about everything, but they, it all hangs on that one string. What happens when that string is cut? I, uh, I don't, I don't know. Understand? I don't understand the question. So my, my my question is is that the point is that science and atheism all hangs on this fact that there isn't a god. Yeah. Right. Obviously, there's a lot of things in science that back up god. But there's a lot of things that don't, like evolution and whatever. Yeah. Um, what happens when, let's say, if there is evidence for there being God at the point of creation. Let's say we figure out there's evidence for God at the point of creation. We don't know anything else. Yeah. What happens to that the entire thing falls? So like, what what happens? Yeah. And my, I would say that one of the beautiful thing, beautiful things about science is that it has the ability to change and say, oh, I was wrong through its epistemology. If it's not replicatable, if it's not consistent, then it says, oh, this claim is false. We no longer pay attention to this claim. So what happens to evolution if there was a God at creation? You know clearly be wrong but we're able to scientifically test for evolution and say evolution is a fact evolution is happening it is a coherent way to analyze the world it's the reason why we have modern medicine these kind of things and we're able to like open up humans and give them all different forms of like medical care or like crazy life-saving surgery or stuff like that was through studying through evolution and so if we're able to say take evolution and say well now we can describe the different types of species we have in our world 
why different species look the way they do, why they're in certain parts of the world. And then we're even able to take it a step further and say, from this one theory that we've been able to test over and over and over again, and for now we know for, at least on these particularities, is true, right? And now they're even able to take from that one thing that they're able to take and make proven fact into a different realm, into medical sciences. So I think the, I think the balance to say that, I mean, evolution wouldn't be true, I don't think that's... Um, except for the fact that, except for the fact that, um, evolution, as we say, evolution, like monkeys to humans, yeah. um, has not been proven. Microevolution has been proven. Yeah. And I will agree with you that there, like, I mean, we see it with adaptations of bacteria, with antibiotics. It's very obvious. It's very, um, true, but that's not when we say evolution. That's not what we mean. That's yeah. microevolution. It's a completely different topic that Christianity vets and backs up evolution. As we say, evolution, Charles Darwin, Darwinism, all that, um, has never been proven and it's actually become the hardest thing for science to prove because it is that it really doesn't make sense i would have to look into that more but my understanding is they've even found different sort of species of humans from way before because we emerged out of africa there was a bunch of different diasporas across the world and stuff like that of different people groups this is why we have like a word called neanderthal yes yeah. we had these basically knuckle draggers that looked like humans but were not as evolved, evolved as us, and they were bef what came before the Homo sapiens. And so they were these knuckle-draggers, kind of half-human, half-ape, they kind of, they look kind of weird, like they're, drugging the, they're dragging their knuckles, I mean, maybe they can form some sort of speech. So we're even, my understanding is that they're even, even able to find the delineations in the evolution pattern, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I would have to go back and look into that. Uh, the Neanderthal argument is, uh, again, like, I'm not going to say they don't exist. They do exist. Yeah. And whether they humans derive from Neanderthals, um, it's it's a hard one because like there's there's a couple common ancestors in the middle that are missing. Yeah. However, I do think it is possible yeah. that Neanderthals are just an early form of humans. Yeah. But again, there is nothing to bring monkeys to Neanderthals or apes to Neanderthals. Yeah. We can't find anything. Yeah. Like not even a ten generations like, so, like there might again that might be something of microevolution. Yeah. You know, humans started with knuckles dragging on the floor. Now their knuckles are not dragging on the floor. Now they're up to their knees. Yeah. That's not a crazy thing. That's adaptation. Yeah. But to say that we went from a completely different species to a completely different species, and we haven't found that in any sort of animal, not just humans. That isn't like it, it, it does not follow um, what we would like to call science. Yeah. Um, and I'm not I'm not nearly well versed enough to say like these are the different data strands or like this is yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this, this. Um, but that's something I would have to reassess but my understanding is that it is pretty certain that evolution is happening and that you can go and find like in seventh grade I remember in school we're learning about evolution and you can even go find the different like they have the different lines saying well this is where this species shot off and this species shot off and this yeah, species shot off. Yeah, I mean, it's all guess. I mean, it's going to be around the area, right? You're not going to know the exact time the, and how do you the back species up, evolved. And, but and how I mean, do, you're going to be able to find the different data strands and how they relate to each other and how they don't relate to each other and when these different things spliced off and stuff like that. They're, they're pretty easily able to tell us, say, well, these are the similarities and these are the differences. And so we can kind of say in this kind of time period, these kind of species split off and these kept going this way and the other ones went that way. So, But also science also proves that there had to be... Uh, two common, like a, a man and a female, to be the first humans. Yeah. Like two specific individuals, whoever they are, Adam and Eve, whatever they are, science proves that that has to be true. Yeah. Because of the, the common ancestral form of mRNA and, the, and the, the way how DNA works and the way how 
Um, it's a very, very complex argument, but the, the biggest indicator for a common female ancestor is the way how mRNA works. Yeah. The way how we have one common mRNA strand that we can literally trace back um, and we can find out roughly what time period it was. Yeah. So how would it make sense then if you have a population of a species of Neanderthals or of monkeys yeah. that end up only being one pair of humans? Again, I, I don't know. I'm not well-versed in Neanderthal I'm just science, saying it's something to think about. It's yeah. not... Generally, I, I try to stick with the consensus that the scientific community, like I said, will be able to take this thing and prove it over and over again and even extrapolate that to parts of our own lives. So. Um, it's just something to think about. Obviously, I'm not an expert. Yeah. Um, but it's just something to think about when it comes to evolution because uh, it's always a compelling uh, debate. Um, but I want to know a little bit more about um, when it comes to you specifically, like you, you went from this super conservative, super Christian yeah. um, person to not so much. Yeah. Um, what do you feel like, do you feel like you found something maybe that's a better purpose? Do you feel like you're living a better life? Um, kind of talk to me about like that transformation. Like, do you feel like maybe you were unhappy before now you're happy now? Like, what does that kind of, what does that dichotomy kind of look like between the two? Um, I would have to think. I mean, I think it's much easier for me now to say, well, I know what I want to do or what I think is right and wrong, personally. Because I feel like sometimes I would say, um, I don't 100% agree with, even then, we're talking about like human intuition and stuff. It never, some, some of the things never really sat right with me, I guess, or like some of the moral approaches that the Bible takes, at least their system of like saying what is moral, what is not moral, I never really agreed with that. So I mean, in that case, that was much easier for me to be able to say, just like boom, boom, put them in the categories, right versus wrong, stuff like that. And then in my personal life, I would be able to say, I mean, I would say I feel a lot more happier now. Just because I feel like it puts the onus on me in saying, well, if you want to do something, it is up to you. If your life is in a bad state, well, then you better go do something. If life's going good, well, you still better go do something. So I think it, in that case, it's, I find it more fulfilling to me because I'm instead of having to focus on things I may not really care about or going to this or that, I'm really able to focus on it saying, what do I find meaningful to myself and pursue that however hard I want to pursue that. Isn't that like a little bit selfish? Um, I think people should, uh, it's a, maybe in some cases it's a little bit selfish, but I wouldn't say necessarily. I, like th just because I, th I think you have, I think you have the right to say, I want to pursue my own happiness. No, that's fine. I, yeah. I, th I think, I think that's a totally valid thing to say. No. I don't think you're able to inflict suffering on other people, but I do think you should pursue happiness for yourself and find meaning for yourself. But I think this idea of I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it. Like if I don't want to do something, I just like won't do it because I don't want to do it. It's a lot of I, 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 a lot of me, me, me. Sure. Um, is that really a better way to live life? As a, it, it makes you, it pulls you out of a, it pulls you out of an idea of living in a community and living. It makes yeah. you kind of live by yourself, like in your own, literally in your own world. In a way. So, like, I think one of the very interesting things about me is I think family, despite, you know, not having a belief system that's, like, from God or whatever, 
I still find family to be something that's incredibly, incredibly meaningful, right? And that's part of a community. You're helping each other out in the family. Everyone has a role to play. You know, you're supporting your sisters or your brothers, maybe your mom or dad, and they're supporting you. Maybe they have an event to go to and you show up to that event to support them or something like that. So if you find like community meaningful, well then you'll go pursue community, right? And you can still like help in in the community. You can still like take burdens to help other people because you find meaning in that. You understand what I mean? But it doesn't put undue onus on the individual to do something they do not want to do. I think if that makes sense. Like you can still find community and meaning because I think that's something innately human wants. A human yes. Want is community. Mm -hmm. It's to be surrounded by family, surrounded by community. Um, so I think people can still find meaning, even in my belief system, where they can go and do that. So what if you put yourself in the shoes of someone else that believes the same thing you do? Yeah. Um, that maybe doesn't have those same... Like, it's, think about if everyone in the world yeah. believed the same belief that you had. Like, lived the same way you did. Well, it'd be pretty good. Um, <laughs> but they all had different wants, different needs. How in the world would that work? Because there's no compromise. What do you mean? Because it's a, it's a, if I don't want to do it, I won't do it mentality. So where does the compromise come in? Because you need to compromise. In the world, you need to compromise if you want to deal with people. Because sure. everyone has different wants, different needs. Sure. But if there's no, if there's no incentive to compromise, if there's no um, incentive to be loving and caring to others who you don't maybe want to be loving and caring to, yeah. how, does that, how does that world look? What does that world look like? Yeah, so we're kind of getting into like more of a like moral philosophy. Um, so I would say I'm a utilitarian. So what you're trying to do is maximize people's utilities or people's happiness and minimize their suffering. And I would say often not making compromises with people leads to more suffering than rather just compromising with them and trying to be more cooperative. So in that aspect, I would say compromise generally does bring in more utility and therefore the individual should want to compromise in, in many cases. But what happens when one person does not believe utilitarianism? Well, I think if you have two people who strongly disagree with each other. I mean, you're going to have different uh, dilemmas, but generally people do agree. Vast majority of people are going to agree on a vast majority amount of things. We're really talking about the fringes here where two people don't agree, and at that point there's no real social contract between them even at that point for them to be cooperative. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be good, but I mean, you face the same issue in your belief system as well. Um, if someone disagrees with you and your totality and y'all disagree enough, Right? Say we're in the Middle East, like we're in Afghanistan or we're in Iran, and they say, they put your faith up and they say, oh, well, we don't agree with this thing. You can't do that. You know what I mean? Or you can't do this, this thing or that thing. At that point, there really is no compromise. There's kind of like two, two walls kind of just coming right at each other, two cars coming straight at each other. There's not much of a compromise at that point. The two moral systems are too far apart. Uh, I will say the moral systems of most religions are pretty much on par with each other. There are slight differences in morality, like moral-wise. Sure. Um, I say most of the differences are theological and sadly political. Yeah. Um, but I think if everyone was left to think of their own morals, and there would be no like consistency when it comes to moral value um, or what morality is. Again, I think morality is a very big intuition very big intuition base. But all so it takes I think is a people, small group of people to be like, killing people is okay. And yeah. then what happens? Well, at that point, you have such a big disagreement where violence is inevitable. And at that point, you, you just got to fight it out. There's, there's no way to resolve that conflict peacefully. And I think you would agree too. If someone, you know, 
were to walk into a building and you were there and they started shooting, well, at that point, no compromise is going to be found. He's clearly demonstrated a nasty propensity for violence, a nasty moral system, stuff like that. And so at that point, there's no compromise, there's no talk to be had. It's just, I mean, at that point, it's just violence. But every moral belief system is going to come into that conundrum. good argument yeah it's a very good argument yeah very well thought out um, but that still requires for the majority of people to agree on a moral standard yeah and I think we do but that. if there's nothing to tie those people together what what is it that what is it that ties them together yeah you're not gonna like my answer I know you're not gonna like okay. my answer it's gonna be I would say people's common humanity I think that humans are born with certain instincts, certain intuitions mm -hmm. for what is right and what is wrong. And generally the disagreements are going to be out in the gray. We're like, we're taking this moral principle and we're bringing it all the way out here. Generally people disagree on that. Okay. People d agree generally like community's good. I want to be happy. I don't want to be suffering. Um, there are different things like this that people do agree on. And so though the moral standard may not be the exact same, exact same it's enough to where people can still cooperate with one another. Actually, I think it's a very good answer. I like it. Um, but I will say, I feel like the more that atheism is becoming a proponent in society, the more that gray area is expanding. Um, I, th I think that depends. I think that has to do a lot with um, just how different moral systems work. So but I think it, it's a direct correlation to the rise of atheism. Yeah, but that's because we're finding two very different moral philosophies. Wouldn't, yep. that, make, wouldn't that make atheism the gray area? Not necessarily, no. I think because it creates atheism, gray area. Athe yeah, maybe in society, but that doesn't mean in the, necessarily in that moral system it doesn't create. So if everyone issues. is atheist, yeah. wouldn't everything be gray area? No. So everything would be black and white. Atheists then. are tending to agree more morally with other atheists, and Christians are going to tend to agree morally with other Christians. That's so not it just, okay. It just the second depends. part is true. The first part is definitely not true, because it, the whole idea of I live my own life, yeah, and what I think is right would in, imply that I don't want to agree with others. And also, what I'll say is that if atheism is not the gray area, then yeah. if everyone was atheist, then everything would have to be black and white for that to make sense. Not. Then Not there cannot be a gray area if that would make, for that to make sense. In some ways, I think there can be societal gray areas, but I think moral systems. Let's let's go with the impression that 100% of humans are atheists. Okay. Yeah. I There's don't no think so, society is atheist. Yeah. That would make everything a gray area. No. Why? Okay. So it's the same common humanity argument. If me and you, you're an atheist and you're human, and I'm an atheist and I'm human, we're both going to understand that we want to maximize our utility. And probably there's going to be a general understanding that we should cooperate with one another. So it's that those same, second, it's this, those this, same moral foundations that people hold onto one another, right? Cohe we have different groups like around the world that are less cohesive with each other. I mean, how do I explain this? Homogenous groups tend to be more cohesive because they share the same values, the same culture, and the same political But atheism is not a homogenous group. It's the only thing that they share is that there isn't a God. There is nothing, there is no two atheists that agree on anything else. Well, they could agree on things, but there's not like a set. There's nothing set. Sure. All, the only set thing is that there isn't. Yeah. And so you're, you're, I think what you're kind of trying to address is the moral nihilism inside of atheism, unless I'm, I'm not understanding correct. I'm just trying to say that 
atheism, the only thing that unites atheists together is the fact of what isn't. Yeah. It's like a, you know, my, your enemy's enemy is your friend. Like, sure. There's an, if everyone becomes atheist, then everyone will end up disagreeing with each other because the one thing that they held on to that they agreed on doesn't, no one cares about it anymore. I would disagree because we still have, we all still have our common humanity and still, generally speaking, have all the same intuitions. But those intuitions are given to us by parents, by the foundation that we're built when we we're younger. Some so of if every, let's, so if everyone becomes atheist and there's no religion, there's no, there's no, per, in my mind, there's no purpose. Yeah. Then it's up to everyone to kind of decide. So that means that this set of parents, this set of parents would disagree. This community and this community would disagree. And so it would almost be like a, just a ton of city states populated around the world where everyone's at war with each other and everyone disagrees with each other. Uh, yeah, no, I, I understand the comment. I would say... Um, I mean, that's what happened to the Greeks and the Romans. I, I don't know about morally, but they, they kind of just... They fell apart for different reasons, but I would say... Uh, moral, moral things are a lot of it. The way they look at things, at least perspective. The Romans, it had a lot to do with... Um, different economic stuff and a lot of different political institutions but that all, no longer that all stems from that all stems from moral things like if I think that I shouldn't help others I'm not going to be um, very happy with like social welfare programs yeah you know so they're, they're very connected I mean in a way I mean what we're really asking here is um Two different things, I feel like. Because economics like is the morals of money. We're, yeah, I think we're talking about two different things here. When we're talking about the disarray or the gray in the atheist society, you're kind of talking about more of the environmental concepts. I've been born into the world. I already have these sort of intuitions. And then this sort of environment's going to basically um, push my intuitions in certain directions. Yeah, is that I'm not saying, valid? I think that is valid, okay. 100%. I think your environment totally, I think that's one of the big parts why religion is such a big deal, or for most people, is because of that environmental factor. Mm -hmm. You grew up in the church, your family's at the church, your community's at the church. It's kind of one of those institutions that's all-encompassing, especially back the further you time you go. They have things like temporal power and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, but I think a lot of the biological, intu biolo biological intuitions that we're born with lay a pretty good foundation for most people. I don't people. think biology tells you anything about morals. I think... All you have to do is look at animals to figure that out. I think humans have certain intuitions they're born with. I think... And How? then from there, the environment can change those intuitions. What about being born gives you any sort of decision-making? Hmm? Like, what about being born gives you any sort of intuition of what's right and wrong? So... Because if you look at animals, that's not the case. Yeah. So why would we be different? So what in we, our DNA tells us... We, there's these two primal things, suffering and happiness. People know, I don't like to feel bad. And people know, I like to be happy. Okay, and, and animals so people, think the and, same and, way. And but they still ways, go yeah. kill each other we all have, the time. But we have, we have a higher fact. Well, humans kill each other all the time too. We have, humans have a pretty big issue Yeah, with but that. it's, it, I mean, animals, like, if you want to go by this idea that we're biologically born with certain things, yeah. then we would act like animals. Sure. We're biologically born certain things, and there's an environment aspect. In many ways, we and the biological stuff has not doesn't have anything to do with morals. It, it, the, it's literally eat, uh, like eat food to stay alive, yeah. sleep yeah. because you need it, drink water, and cry when you're hungry. Like why, it, why, it's so why are why why do humans engage in those activities? In what eating? Yeah, 
because their brain tells them you, you bet you're not gonna die buddy but why does the brain do that because it knows you're gonna die because, because it's good for you because you need to eat to live so right? you so you you think that so there's generally your brain tells you to, you think that you're not in control of your own brain I think we all have a human brain and, and a we, mind yeah everyone okay. has a human brain and mind and we're all born with some of the similar intuitions I want to feel good okay. I don't which one is in control the brain or the mind We'll call it the same thing. No, they're two different things. Well, the brain is. A, I don't understand is, the difference. The brain is your physical brain. Yeah. Your mind is like your intuition, if you will, like the thing you think, like you think, when you think that's your mind. Your I think brain it's is chemical reactions. I mean, we'll use we can use brain, we can use mind, but I think you're born. They're separate with, things. I don't think they're separate things. Okay. But if it was all chemical reactions, then animals would be able to think the same way we do. No, because their brain gives off different chemical reactions than our cells. There is a lot of animals That's that why have. they have an animal brain instead of a human brain. They also have a lot of very similar chemical, I mean, yeah. we can teach dolphins to do stuff. Yeah, but again, that comes from us being the most evolved, like we, we've established that part. Um, but generally speaking, like humans eat because it's good for them. Yeah, and if, sure. if, let's say that cooperation, like why, we, why do we have society? Because humans learn long ago that if we cooperate, we all benefit from it, and right? you think you're born with that idea? I think we're born individually understanding that I want the best for myself and I don't want bad things to happen to me. And then humans also have the ability to understand that other people want that too. And then we can take it a step even further saying, well, if he wants good things for him and I want good things for me and we both don't want bad things to happen to us, why don't we work together so we can get but them what? both for both of us instead of you know, having, you know, going off on our own and having either good or bad happen to us individually, I mean, as a society. So again, humans kind of collect around what is good for them or what is bad for them. Now, there are instances where that's not true with different environmental factors or different earthly things. Um, okay, but what part of that are you born with and what part of that do you develop? I think it's a very strong mix. I don't think there's a way to say, um, like, it's either this one or this one, but I think humans, the two base things we're born with is I know when I feel good and I know when I feel bad. And I think from then, humans are able to understand other different concepts that come to them or interact with them. But isn't that all environment induced? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. Okay. So the but whole you're, point still, you're still born with those basic building blocks, right? You're, you're like, if, that's a baby all comes into the, if a baby comes into the world, right? It doesn't, it doesn't understand anything about its environment, but it understands when different sort of like stimuli come up. And then it will act in a certain way because it understands whether or not it's good or bad. For instance, when it's hungry, do the external world not feeding it? Well, it cries. It, but, but it doesn't okay. know that like, oh, I need food. A baby's not thinking really much of anything. Um, okay, sure. So it reacts in that way. So it's those two fundamental building blocks that all humans, I think, are born with. And then from there, we're able to take our moral intuitions and build more of a, you know, less gray atheistic society to where people understand, you know, focuses on more on cooperation and stuff like that. Sure, except that what I might feel is good is different than what you feel is good. Sure. Like there are certain things that I would think are good that you don't. And a very, I mean, we can use a very simple example for both of us. That's church for me. Yeah. Right? Obviously you do not probably enjoy if you had to go to church. I enjoy it sometimes, but. <laughs> okay, maybe not as much as I would, right? Yeah. So that's, there's a difference. There's a subjective difference. So. Let's say in a world where everyone's atheist, those subjective differences are going to be a lot more profound because there's nothing holding you together. There's nothing else holding you. Um, we can think about it from a community aspect yeah. to hold you to those same, like there's no reason 
for us to, like, there, there would be no reason for anyone to talk to anyone if there was no, if it all was just what feels good for me. Unless if it felt good for you to talk to that person. But if the other person didn't feel that way, then you wouldn't. But, so how does society work if it's a feel-good society? Yeah, but my argument is working well with others leads to an even better feeling society, right? But that's the not true swag, for everyone. So how would that work? Generally speaking, that is true. But why is that true? Because our environment tells us it's true. We were born growing up knowing that that is true. But if we were born growing up and people told us, no, like, don't work with others, like, do things yourself, then that would feel good for us because that's what we're used to. I would so, disagree. I feel like, generally speaking, I mean, in some ways, maybe there are people out there like that. But again, I would come back to the common humanity thing where people, you know, we all have a human brain and we all understand, I want to feel good, I want to feel bad. And then you're able to manipulate or you're able to interact with your environment in that way. And then humans do to that and because of the environment are able to cooperate with one another and, you know, maximize each other's utility as well as their own. Yeah, but you can control, like you can train yourself to get dopamine from certain things and not certain things. So that sure. doesn't make sense again because that means it's not, that means it's not inherently born with it. Right? I can like give myself dopamine from things that are very obviously bad for me. Yeah. So, but it feels good. Sure. Okay, so how does that work? Um, like I would say it's necessarily a conundrum. You would have to look at two different things. So when we're analyzing my belief system, we have to say, we have to look at both the good and the bad, right? But for you, the, it's what feels good and what feels bad. There's no objective yeah. good or bad. Sure. Okay, so if I want to say smoking is good because it feels good, there's no objective bad. I mean, in a way, until it becomes, I think there's different forms. Like, let's say, let's say someone's on heroin. Okay. Right? And they say, no, I think it's good for me. I feel pretty good. But now they've lost their family. They've dropped out of college. They don't have friends. What's, what's more beneficial, feeling good from heroin or the suffering that the other three caused? You know what I mean? For that so person, clearly, that, for that person yeah. it is the feel good from heroin. He, he would say that. But, but from it's, a human, from a, from a, a utilitarian perspective, the harm on, inflicted onto him but is you have, much worse than whatever sort of, you know, but you have no say or any, with your belief system, no say, no jurisdiction. You can't even say anything about it because it's what he believes. He thinks it's good for him. I have nothing I can do to help him. I mean, I think you have, there are different societal standards and stuff like that. But, I mean, society can't compel you to do stuff. You can't inflict harm on society. But, I mean, just because it feels good to you. And that would be one of those cases. So there is a... That means there is a way to measure moral good and moral bad. It depends. That means there has to be. Depends on because not, now you're not saying, an objective way to measure Now you're it. saying there, it hurts there, there, society there. more yeah. than it helps society. Yeah. That means that there's an objective more that society would agree on. So that means there's a measuring system. Yeah. Not So that's not contradictory. Necess not necessarily like that. I think when we're talking about um, measuring these two different things like I think you can say that some things are more good than others or some things are worse than others. But I think when you're looking at like, uh, when we're looking at different beliefs, I think that it depends like inside of a belief system, you can say what is moral and what is not moral. But if we're taking two opposing belief systems, there's no way to prove one over another. That's what I mean by objective. I, nobody like, let's say that. That doesn't make sense. 
prove your belief system is more moral than mine. I mean, that's like saying prove that using a meter is better than using a foot. Well, they're, 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 just, they're incompatible, right? There's no way you can actually prove one belief system is better than, than another. Now, a belief system can say this is moral and this is not moral. So we have to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about measuring morality. Belief systems will show you what is moral and what is not moral. But when you have two opposing belief systems, there's no way to say, well, this moral belief system but, is superior okay. than that one, except by being in the confounds of your own moral system. So what drives the moral system in atheism? What do you mean? What, like, what drives what is moral and what's not? The individual, right? The good feeling and the bad feeling. Primarily. Of the individual? Of just humans in general. Uh, of... It depends if you're talking on an individual level, because earlier we were talking about me being on an individual level, right? Okay. The individual is going to want to maximize his own utility, right? And okay. minimize his suffering. But okay. utilitarian will believe on a societal scale, we're supposed to maximize society's utility and minimize society's suffering. So, I mean, it just, it, it depends what the context is of what we're talking about. So... But what happens when those things cross paths and they disagree with each other, the individual and the society? What prevails? Society. Because society okay, is let's... made up of more people, right? So what's worse, two individuals so suffering or one individual suffering? One individual suffering is okay. better than two. What happens if it's 50-50? Well, I guess they're just going to have to... Like, here's an... Like, they're going to have to duke it out example. Then, but... Like, the abortion debate, 50-50. Yeah. Okay. It's literally polling at 50-50 right now. So yeah. what happens? What do you mean? What happens in the atheist world? What, what, what is right? What becomes morally right? I would say that it... I mean, not your personal... I mean, your personal belief is whatever, but what, in the society, what, what's right? I, I don't understand the question. Because if, it's, if the moral standard is driven by what the majority of society would agree on, first off, that changes a lot. Well, I don't think it's not, I think there is, this is like, we're getting really to the edges here. Um, how do I explain this? I think there is a good and a bad. So like, let's think okay. about this. We have, we heard about the Bolsheviks in Russia, right? The Marxist-Leninists, mm -hmm. they were utilitarians, right? Yes. But they believed that the Marxist-Leninist political philosophy was the path towards utopia. Clearly not, right? Now, let's say they think that's the path, and I think, let's say, more of like a socially democratic system is the path forward, like a Denmark or a Norway or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Now, they can say that that system's better, but I would still believe, you know, mine is better. And I think there's a way to measure in between both the systems saying what produced better outcomes, right? What produced more happiness and less suffering? And I would say my system does. So just because there's a disagreement- But that's so subject on so many different things that you- Sure, but not... it, it doesn't mean that there, it still is not out there. Like if there's still not, one is still more moral or less moral than other. People can disagree on that, but it doesn't mean there's still not some sort of area or decision or path that is more moral or less moral than others. You see what I mean? Like people can disagree on that. People can say, you know, I believe in communism. Someone can say that and say, that's the path towards utopia. And someone could say, well, actually, I disagree. They, can, they can fully disagree with that, right? And say, well, for these reasons, this is, this is true instead. And so I'm still able, while being an atheist, without getting my morality from God, 
still able to go about, you know, and, and, and I mean, say yeah, those you things can through, make different, your, through different measurements, different suffering, stuff like that. make your own morality, but don't you see the issue with that? No, because it's following a set of standards. It's a yeah, moral system. But so. everyone chooses their own set of standards. Not, not, I, not really. Because they can say, this is the set of standards I follow. You say, this is the set of standards I follow. What if they're not the same? What if there's, like, I, I don't get your point. Okay. I just, I think that atheism is very individual focused. It is very, it's a, the most self-centered belief system there is. Okay. By, def, by definition, it has to be. By saying, there is nothing higher than me. I am the highest power in my own life. By definition, that makes you self-centered. So, I, I would disagree. But so if I say, how how how's the? I don't I don't. If believe I believe there is a God in power above me. Yeah, but the issue is I don't. Believe, I don't do that. If if I were to acknowledge God exists and said, well, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to. That's selfish. But to say yes. that there's no God at all and therefore I'm going to take control of my own life, that is not selfish. That is That's, more self-centered than the but, other but arguments. But, but there's no God. So you're not being self-centered because it's sure, but you're creating a dichotomy between serving God or serving yourself. If there's no God to serve, who else is there left to serve? Other people, other people, but also yourself, right? Especially if we're talking about the dichotomy, the relationship between God and the person. So it's hard to say it's selfish. It's kind of a default decision in that case. You know what I mean? Okay. But comparative to an idea where there is a God that is more selfish. Yeah, but by again, definition, again, by we, default, right? No, because you're choosing between yourself and God. Okay. God's not even a decision. It's like you ever played a video game and you have two paths. It says you can press X and you can walk left or you can go to a path. You can hit A and walk right. Your button has an X and an A on it. You can walk left or right. Mine just has the one off to the right saying you just this way because this alley, there's no, there's no, you know, it's kind of just like a, a cut scene. You're just keep going on to the next level instead of making a decision. It's kind of like that. It, it's much different. There's no choosing. It, that's just, you know, that's, okay, that's why I'm saying. saying there's, yeah. I get you're saying. Um, uh, sure. Uh, okay. But if you remove God and you say there's just you, then you are also God. Not you're not, you're a god of your own life. There, way, that has to be true. In a way, yeah. I have supreme okay. I have supreme agency over my life, but I wouldn't say I'm God. Because in order for me to be God, I would have to have supreme agency over not just my life, but your. I said you're a god of your own life. Oh, yeah, of your own fair. life. Yeah, yeah. I've I would the terminology supreme agency over my own life, but yeah. What's the difference? If I say I'm a god of my own life or I'm a supreme agency of my own life, there's what's the difference between those two? We'll just say it's the same. We'll just say it's the same. I think, is there a difference? I think, I think there's, I think if one, there's a difference, what is it? I just think one has less semantic loading to it than the other. You know oh, because I mean? it's like a word choice thing? Yeah, for me. Okay, fair enough. Say, but. Um, hmm. Yeah. So if you have full control over your life. Yeah. And no control over anyone else's life. Yeah. How do you not see that there's a moral like disconnect there? Like, let's say we are two, the only two individuals on earth. Sure. Okay. And we believe the literal exact opposite things. Sure. Okay. Like you believe killing is bad. I believe killing is good. Yeah. You believe family I, is bad. I believe family is good. Yeah. How in the world 
There is nothing there's, in common yeah, between us. I agree. There's no reconciliation of those. those okay. So those now let's things. expand this to a population of 8 billion. Yep. And every single person has their own thing. Yep. There is no reconciliation between any of them. Sure. But that... How does that work? How does society, like, function? Oh, yeah. But that, again, we came, come into the same dilemma as earlier of this is just two different belief systems that don't mix anymore. And everyone can suffer from that. The Muslims, the Muslims and the Hindus. You have 8 billion belief systems that don't exist. Instead of four. Like, I, let's say there's, whatever, ten religions out there. Yeah. Like, that's ten belief systems. Instead sure. of eight billion. Sure. What's easier? I mean, it would it depend on what they're based off of. If eight, eight, eight billion people believe we all have common humanity, and then they derive, and then they try to figure out the gray on their own, I think my society... What do you figure out the gray on their own? The, the gray is, is unlimited in an atheist society. It just is gray. There is no black and white. Because I, it's what you believe for you is black and white. It's what sure. I believe for me is black and white. But sure. between us, it's all gray. I think, again, we have to like put these into different categories in the context that we're actually talking about. I think when we're talking about different belief systems... I get what you're saying. They can't like, like, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Some of them will not be compatible. We're we're agreeing, by the way. Yeah, no, I understand. But I'm saying we already suffer from this in society. It's something that's already it's already an issue, and by like, I don't, I, I almost see it as a non-issue because this is this is just the nature of being alive, like in this world, is that people have different moral systems, right? And and they will disagree with you. For the vast majority, people will agree, right? But then, I mean, people will still disagree with each other. I mean, we see that today. But like every, every all society suffers from that. Every, all of human, human, humankind suffers from that. Every single person creates, <clears throat> sorry, a moral code for themselves. Yeah. There is nothing in common between two individuals, except for the common humanity, which can complete, can, which can be completely subjective. You can, oh, we're common humans, but I'm a better human than them. There goes that argument. Say the argument again? Like, common humanity, like we all have to share the same humanity. But if I think I'm a better person, or I'm more efficient, or I'm better at something than someone else, then that common humanity is irrelevant at that moment. Not, not, when I'm saying common humanity, I'm talking about those biological building blocks that are No, and I agree with you. But I think, if I think my biological building blocks are better than yours, then... We have oh, yeah. lost that common humanity. Yeah, and I agree. And so when we talk about things like, I think, I, I think we're all humans. I don't believe in this sort of like eugenics, but that's why eugenics was such an issue, right? Because it says basically that some men compared to other men are cattle, right? Because think about it. We don't give more, the same moral consideration we do to a dog, to a, to a human being, yes. right? And by pushing someone down saying, well, you're biologically impaired because of X feature, right? Well, then you start getting into a problem where you have different racial systems, stuff like that. So I would okay. say that's eugenics or saying that having different biological blocks, I would say, first of all, that's not true. It's unfounded. Um, in no way is that true. But so I also you don't say think there are people who are smarter than others? I think there's some people that are smarter than others, but to the degree that it, it devalues their common humanity together, I, I would totally disagree. Well, I, would I say, agree with that point, yeah. I would say both still have those building blocks. Though some in certain capacities may outweigh others or have better mm-hmm. faculties, they both still have those same building blocks. They're both still human and both should have moral consideration. And I agree with you, yeah. but what happens when someone who's in a place of power 
decides that their ego is too big for that. Yeah. And that's not true. What happens to society? Society. If there is no we, we, set moral ground that everyone agrees on. And everyone has their own morality. Sure. And society falls apart. Society does fall apart. Okay. But, I mean. There's the issue with that. Because assuming that won't happen is very naive. I don't think society will fall apart in that way. I mean, that's why we have democracies, we have different sorts of rule of law, we have the divisions of government, so people can overcome those disagreements. That's more of like a... I mean, the German Reich was a democracy until Hitler went to power. No, I understand. But there's different sort of pragmatic ways that we can say, how do we set up a system politically so that um, these sort of moral confrontations, if you will, right, with each other, don't get out of hand so to what where it creates that? bad dilemmas. But doesn't the government, do you think the government ha sets moral standards? Somewhat, yeah. Okay. If everyone has their own moral standards, yeah. what's going to be agreed upon? Some the stuff loudest people in the room? It would generally be a democratic system. It doesn't mean you don't, you don't have the right to disagree with that democratic system. So what, what, if, we're, we're, if, what the difference between... Everyone yeah. is atheist. And everyone... I have no jurisdiction of your thought in your life. Yeah. And there's nothing in common between us. Yeah. And there's nothing I can do to convince you of that. Yeah. Then there is no way that we, if we disagree on a law, that we will ever come to a compromise. Yeah. Because what you believe and what I believe are different, and it doesn't matter what you believe to me because it's my life and I live it. Yeah. You see the issue? But I, I Now think about that at a country scale. Yeah. At a world scale. Yeah. That's the issue with that. Yeah, no, I, I understand people have different disagreements with one another, and some disagreements get so bad to where violence does break out, right? And, the, and I just want to say the only way how countries start is under the same religious background. If you look at every country that's ever started... I don't agree with that at all. Uh, if you look at... If we can okay. look at it, we can look at so I'm talking many about the start countries. of a... Of a but yeah, I disagree with that, too. Okay, give me an example. If we look at, you know, um, the United States... We Christian, can, we can, we if you can. want to be honest. Like, there's different sects of Christianity, sure. Yeah, but we had, but again... But there's a common... The there's a commonality. Different kinds of Christianity and the different kinds of things our founding father beliefs were really, really, really different from one another. And the cultural backgrounds were... one common thing in that God exists and God has jurisdiction. Not... Well, then why didn't they set up a theocratic one instead of an enlightened one? The enlightened government that our founding fathers were coming for was one based on the deist God that I spoke of earlier... Right, James Madison was a crazy big proponent of yes, he was separation of church versus state. Mm -hmm. If they believed that God was the land, they would have said, "Well, instead of the the Bill of Rights with you know our first ten, you know, say freedom of speech stuff like that, they would have said, shall not kill, shall not covet thy neighbor's wife, you know, shall not steal.' They would say these things instead. But we didn't set the the country's principles is not based on a Christian religious background. It is based on a enlightened deist background. Our founding fathers were totally different from that. That's why they always talked about old Europe and new Europe, or the old world and the new world. The new world was enlightened. It was for free men. It was for people to come and do what they wanted to, have property, be able to make lives for themselves. The old Europe was kind of, you know, you didn't, you did, these things were not available to you. You still had a Catholic church that was pretty vicious. You still had all these different warring empires and monarchies where people didn't even have natural rights. They didn't even have the right to vote. Lots of different classes were still basically in slavery or serfdom at that time. So there's a whole bunch of different things. But I think you can take groups from different backgrounds and still be able to create like a country. I mean, we see this. And the new Europe or the, the new world yeah. 
is a more Christian um, society, more is based on more Christian principles than the old world was. The old world was very politically driven. Um, it was like the Catholic Church at that time was more of a political institution than it was a religious institution. Um, whereas the new world, the idea of freedom of speech is the most Christian idea that it ever exists. Yeah. That is the definition of free will. The First Amendment is the, literally the definition of free will. Sure, but let's which say... Which is the most Christian belief out there. I, well, I don't know where God says thou shall have free speech, but I think... It's free will. Speech falls under will. Um, I mean, I don't really... Some of, some of the stuff does also, come from... Our, there's a lot of... How do I say this? There's a lot of overlap between deism and Christianity. The only yes, difference... Yes, because deism believes there's a God, so yeah, yeah. There, there would be a lot of overlap. The de, but the deists believe, right, that he's a clockmaker and he set up natural laws and natural rights for men and then left, saying humans work in this sort of ray, way, right, the common humanity piece that I'm talking about, kind of, I believe it's through evolution rather than a creation, right? Yeah, um, whatever. But it's very similar to that of the founding mm -hmm. fathers. And so they believe it's set up in that way. So in a way, it does really overlap. It does kind of overlap with Christianity in the sense there is a creation. He set humans to be this certain kind of way and act a certain way with each other. Um, but the, they don't believe in that last part that Jesus was God. So it does come from a creation, but a they lot of it comes oh, from like social contract and stuff like that. From a political standpoint, you don't have to say Jesus is God at all. That's like, it's just so, I mean, that's very irrelevant. Sure, but, but to, but to, but to just say... Just their personal beliefs... Yeah. have nothing to do with the fact that it was a very Christian, like, it followed Christianity. If you read the Declaration of Independence, it is, there's a lot of Christian values that are put in there. There's, if you read the Constitution, there's a lot of Christian values that are in there. Like Our Pledge of Allegiance literally says one nation under God, yeah, and which would imply that it's not deist. Cult culturally, saying, there's but, a lot of culturally... Uh, very big cultural influences Christianity had... Yes, on the United States, massive cultural uh -huh. influences. So you're proving How, my point. However, that however, a lot of the different stuff we find in the Bible, or not in the Bible, in our Constitution and in our Declaration of Independence, come from an enlightened philosophy. It is the it, our Constitution right sure. now is the oldest one on earth, and it was founded on Enlightenment principles. That's and then great. right after our revolution, the other Enlightenment revolutions in mm -hmm. the old world kicked off with France. And then you had Poland, you had Hungary, yep. you had Frankfurt in Germany, you had all the different stuff in England that happened. Um, in Italy, you had this whole disagreement between um, enlightenment versus like um, older divine right to rule kind of kind of governments. But I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things where these ideologies are going to overlap. But if we look at the crux of it, a lot of it best boils down to the deist kind of arguments of natural rights. It overlaps with Christianity but also overlaps with my ideology as well, or my belief system as well. So it follows more of a deist path, a natural rights kind of path, rather than a Christian path. And I think it's a good delineation to make because it understands why we have things like separation of church and state and why our founding fathers believed that different sort of religious beliefs should not be put into secular institutions and then um, force, and then humanity or citizens forced to comply with different religious band-aids so um agreed yeah um except for two things the first one is that that still proves the point that 
countries are created based on a common belief system that tends to be religion. Uh, whether you, you want to think it's deism or Christianity, it's one of the two. And the second point is that the separation of church and state is not necessarily to protect the state from the... It is to protect the state from the church, but it's also to protect the church from the state. It is a two-way... Um, like a... Straight. Yep. Two, yeah, thank you. A two-way street. Um, and that would also imply that there is a Christian background when you know the founding fathers founded America. But the whole point of that was to show that there is a common belief system to create countries. So if everyone was atheist, that it wouldn't, a country would not work because there's no commonality except for this common humanity. humanity. Which the second that two people disagree on that, or that two groups of people disagree on that, then that it doesn't sure. work anymore. I, I don't think it's that extreme though. I don't think the gray. But area history is, tells you it's that extreme. In some cases, yes, but in some cases, I mean, you don't have no. to look too I far. Mean, you got to look. I mean, people disagree with each other in our society right now. I mean, they get kind of mad at each other. There might yeah. be a riot. There might be, um, you know, some idiot may go and shoot somebody or something like that. We have that. But it's, I mean, we've always had disagreement in American society, and American society still stands. But that's a testament to, like, pragmatic institutions that we have created to be able to funnel and properly address the different issues people have but I feel like it's in getting, society. I feel like it's getting worse. And I feel like a big reason for that is atheism, because you're losing a commonality between people. I think to some extent that might be true, but that more has to do with there's more large sections of the population holding different beliefs. So like we could not no, even... because there's could, more... Hold on. There's more commonality between Christianity and Islam than there is between Christianity and, and atheism. No, I, I understand. My, my point is atheism is not like this all like destructive never force, said it was like, all destructive. In society, I think just different moral backgrounds will naturally pry countries apart in, in some ways, and it can push them together in other ways as well. It just depends how this acts. So, like, if we go back to the British Raj in India, it was Muslim and it was Hindu. And then they had this whole issue, we have Pakistan, we have Bangladesh, we have India. So it just shows that when we have different sort of cleavages in society, right, they can either push us to be more integrated together and to understand that we should respect each other's beliefs and say, you know, we may disagree, but for the sake of each other, basically, for the sake of our common humanity, we're not going to participate in these certain forms of behavior. But in some places, the cleavage is getting in such a way where people say the moral issues are so bad that we are actually going to break apart. Now, personally, for our society, I don't think the moral dilemmas are that bad, but I mean. And I agree with you, except it's a lot worse when it's 300 million different beliefs, let's say in America's standpoint, sure. than if it was two different religions. Yeah, but again... And all it takes is for one person. The, I'm just saying and, it's, and I, and I, it's not and the most I, efficient society, if we want to talk about efficiency. It's I don't, not. I think what's even less efficient, though, is saying we're just going to have a moral framework that everyone agrees on. How is that and, less and efficient? The, and, well, no... Not, not less efficient, but it, for finding truth or finding what's best. Maybe, Both. No, I, I, I disagree. Just because everyone agrees on a certain system doesn't mean it's the like, right moral system. Now, you're going to come after me for that comment, but 
I, I disagree. No, I, I agree with you. I don't think just so. because every, I don't think just because the majority says something means it's necessarily right. Yeah, I agree. But I think there's, uh, I think questioning things is good. I agree. Um, but again, I don't think everyone, like you have to agree on things. I don't think everyone should have their own idea and set of beliefs because in my mind, that makes every single person a god of their own life. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense. Like think about, well, in, I, think about in, in, I, in like Greece and Roman history when there's multiple gods, what happens? The gods fight each other. Gods are at war. Okay, imagine eight billion different gods. Yeah. Like, even if we look at the mysticism and we look at the art and the history, yeah. even that <laughs> proves that point. So why would we be gods of our own lives when we can just not do that? You know. Yeah. But I get it's people's beliefs and it's people's per like I, I, I'm not gonna tell someone. Again. You know. Again, I would say basically our common humanity. Gives us the same building blocks. I'm, I'm just going to keep saying it. It gives us the same building blocks so where you can all come to some sort of agreement on wh what is moral, some sort of cooperative agreement saying, well, this is what can be outlined, even though we may disagree with each other on some certain things, right? Now, on some things, you are going to be able to do that. Some things, you're not going to be able to do that. Second point is, if we're talking about like 8 billion different gods, I think um, on this earth right now, I mean, in a way, according to my point of view, we already do. And it's already working in some countries and it's not working or you're having different issues in different countries and other issues like we have all of these people and ultimately each person themselves is going to choose do i believe in this god do i not believe in this god sure. right they have that free mm -hmm. will so in a way in your world and in my world humans will choose or have the ultimate agency and what sort of moral system they subscribe to so regardless of if, it, if it's your moral system or my moral system, that same dilemma in both systems still exists. And I think that's just naturally part of our world. Humans are going to disagree with each other in some ways. Yeah, except for the fact that I, as a Coptic Orthodox Christian, agree and subscribe to the same thing as 25 million other people. Sure, and then a lot of people that are secular would agree with a utilitarian principle as well. Yeah, but there's holes in that because everyone can make their own ideas. Like, what's good to you is not what's good to someone else. It's the same thing. I mean, it's it's the same circle, same same loop. It, it depends. It depends. Uh, I mean, sure. Gen but... Generally speaking, yes, it is. And then there's different ways to say, there are different ways to go about a situation. But, I mean, again. Well, that was a good talk. My brain's kind of tired. That was a good, that was a good one. Um, thank you for taking time out of your day. Yeah, I really no enjoyed problem. this. It was good. It was um, good. Definitely, we'll have you on at some point in the future. Perfect. Uh, yeah, good luck at college. Thank you. Um, thank you. you have too. fun. I will. I will. Uh, thank you guys for watching. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications, comment, and share, and see you guys next week. Thank you. Mm -hmm.